the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Law Offices of Selwyn Whitehead is a debt relief agency under federal law and provides legal assistance to consumers seeking debt relief under the United States Bankruptcy Code. This is Selwyn's Law. Every week at this time, we get to hear from Selwyn Whitehead. She's not just an attorney at law. Selwyn knows her stuff and doesn't shy away from the truth, even when it's ugly. Her Bay Area practice focuses on helping her clients to manage their wealth through estate and tax planning, to managing their debt through reconstruction or bankruptcy. And now, it's time for Selwyn's Law. Good day, and welcome once again to Selwyn's Law. My name is Selwyn Whitehead. I'm a California Bar Admitted Attorney and also a Bankruptcy Law Certified Specialist who's been certified by the State Bar of California's Board of Legal Specialization. In addition to my JD, I hold a couple of master's degrees in law. That is to say, I am a master of the laws of taxation law, and I'm also a master of the laws of intellectual property law. Now, both of my great master's degrees in law were obtained from my favorite alma mater, Golden Gate University School of Law, located in the currently mostly deserted but still beautiful streets of downtown San Francisco. Because of my training, my experience, and my interests, I primarily practice bankruptcy law, but I also do debt wealth management, estates and trust, real estate, and, of course, taxation law. And I'm also proud to say that as part of my practice, I'm sometimes able to seek out and attempt to vindicate the rights of seniors who find themselves the victims of the various forms of financial elder abuse that unfortunately is running rampant in our country today. I am always so pleased to be able to come to you again today from my makeshift studios in my home in the currently mostly deserted but still beautiful streets of downtown Oakland to discuss some of the financial and legal issues confronting individuals, families, and small business owners. However, I must once again ask you to please note that this show does not provide any legal advice, nor am I developing an attorney-client relationship with anyone within the sound of my voice. Instead, this show strives strictly to be an educational forum for the exchange of information from me to you that might be helpful to you as you begin your search for more detailed information that is tailored to your specific set of facts and circumstances and hopefully provide you with at least, that is to say, an outline of some of the issues that may help you seek out and find qualified professional help. Again, I do this because, as I'm knowing for saying, representing yourself in a legal matter, especially one dealing with your money, is just like taking a butter knife to a gunfight. If you're lucky, you can get real, real close to your adversary, and maybe you can scratch her on the arm or even poke her in the eye. But more than likely, you're going to be dead on the rival. That is to say, not you as a human being, but your valid claim and your righteous defenses 
will likely see the promised land way before you do. So once again, I'm going to share with you all the purpose of Selwyn's Law here on KFAX. And in case you haven't guessed it, it's to discuss the law related to your money. And more often than not, especially in these strange times, the lack thereof. And your overall finances and what you need to consider to protect you and your families and or your businesses, financial health, wealth, and money-related well-being as I understand these concepts in this non-threatening educational form. Now, for those of you who are regular listeners to Selwyn's Law here on KFAX, I'm sure you'll glean by now that I really enjoy conducting research on various topics and performing a legal analysis of these issues and then writing prose and essays and other interpretive writings on the topic concerning the law and how it implicates and impacts the needs of real people. As such, I spend several hours each day reading all kinds of very interesting articles and research papers from reputable sources. I do this in addition to the many legal papers that I have to reach in order to stay on top of my my field. And most of the non-legal sources I use to write my shows come to me from a wide array of reputable journalistic sources that provide me with either free or discounted access to their content, for which I am truly grateful. So you know who you are, and I thank you so much. Now, today's topic in our continuing quest for real information on the COVID-19 pandemic and how we can not only protect ourselves and our loved ones, but more importantly, strive to thrive in this new hostile environment, especially during this holiest week in Christendom. So here's today's question. Are some of us too old to waste precious medical resources on if we become infected with the COVID-19 virus because our lives are worth too little in relationship to our overall economy. Now, my source material for today include uh, Are Older Lives Less Worthy in a Pandemic? And this was written by Liz Seagard and published on April 1st, 2020 on the, the online newsletter Next Avenue, which is produced by PBS and its target audience are individuals 50 and over such that they can develop more meaningful and vibrant lives and make the best or have the best second half of their lives as possible. My second source is an article entitled A Grim Calculus, COVID-19 Presents Stark Choices Between Life, Death, and the Economy. And it's a message from the editor of that great magazine, The Economist, and it was published on April 2nd, 2020. And the third and final article is entitled, In Strictly Economic Terms, California Stay-at-Home Policy is Worth It. And it was written by Joe Nations, who is a professor of public policy at Stanford University and published in Cal Matters, which is a an online non 
bipartisan public interest journalistic venture uh, that's located in Sacramento, and it's committed to explaining how California's capital, that's to say our state capital, works and why it should matter to all of us. So let's begin. The editor of The Economist posed the following colloquy. Imagine having two critically ill ill patients and just one ventilator. That is a choice which could confront hospital staff in New York, Paris, and London in the coming weeks, just as it already has in Lombardy, Italy, and Madrid, Spain. Triage demands agonizing decisions. Medics have to say who will be treated and who must go without, who might live and who will probably die. The pandemic that is raging across the world heaps one such miserable choice upon another. Should medical resources go to COVID-19 patients or those suffering from other diseases? Some unemployment and bankruptcy is a price worth paying. But how much? If extreme social distancing fails to stop the disease, how long should it persist? That is to say, a level of unemployment and bankruptcy. The next avenue shares that you may have heard the comments from Texas Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick last week when he said that older adults should be willing to die to help the economy. He felt that those of us over 50 should be willing to go into work notwithstanding the virus, and if we die, so be it, to keep the economy going for the other half. Outrageous, of course, Next Avenue continues, but it's also a sign of the ageism that's still pervasive in the United States. Now, in response to Mr. Patrick's statement, journalist and anti-ageism author Ashton Applewhite replied, let's be clear, prioritizing the economy over the ill, the old, and the disabled is a form of eugenics. Now, I'm stepping out of the article. For those of you who are unfamiliar with the term eugenics, According to the Oxford Dictionaries, it is the purported science of improving the human species. And uh, it does that by controlled breeding to increase the occurrence of desirable, uh, inheritable characteristics. So eugenics is akin to animal husbandry for those of you who grew up on farms or developed by Uh, Francis Gatton, as a method of improving the human race, it fell into disfavor only after the perversion of its doctrines by the Nazis during World War II. You should also know that a particularly pernicious form of eugenics was also practiced in America during the 1930s and 40s, wherein some in the medical community deemed blacks as a whole to have such low IQs and be so lacking in morals that our ability to breed should be shut down to preserve economic resources. And as a result, some black women seeking medical treatment for other issues were sterilized without their consent. Now, according to Mr. Applewhite, 
there is no moral argument that can justify sacrificing any group, the older adults, disabled, or newborns, for our economy. It's true that older people often have one or more underlying medical conditions that make them more susceptible to the virus, but it is also true that young people are susceptible to it as well. So during this, the holiest week on the Christian calendar, today I ask you this. What is the value of human life during a pandemic and a deep economic downside? Who gets to decide? So when we come back, we'll continue today's important topic, but first we'll take a short break. So I'll see you on the other side. Now back to Selwyn's Law. Once again, your host, Selwyn Whitehead. Welcome back to Selwyn's Law as we continue our discussion of today's topic. That is to say, during this, the holiest week in the Christian calendar, I have this simple question. What is the true value of human life during a pandemic and a related deep economic downturn? And who gets to decide? Now, there are people who have always valued the economy over human lives, particularly certain sorts of human lives. So for them, it's not as much a leap as it would be for those of us who've always valued human life. This according to Dr. Louise Aronson, who's a geriatric professor of medicine at the University of California in San Francisco and a Next Avenue influencer. She goes on to say they would counter that without a good economy, we're doing human lives wrong to which Dr. Aronson said she would reply, I believe they have skipped hundreds of intermediate steps that would be necessary for both our economy and our humanity. Now, according to Dr. Aronson, going to the worst case draconian idea right off the bat shows a failure of creativity and compassion as well as that basic spirit of innovation that these so-called leaders claim to champion as a a valid and and needed portion of our economic principles. Now, she recently penned an an op-ed in the New York Times asking why we're okay with old people dying. In it, she noted that when we accept second-class citizenship for an entire category of human beings, we set a precedent for treating all others with the same disregard. So I want to share someone who might have the answer to my question in an article entitled, Strictly in Economic Terms, California's Stay-at-Home Policy is Worth It. And this was written by Joe Nations, who's a professor of public policy at Stanford University, and it was published in Cal Matters this past weekend. Now, he goes on to say, first with a tweet, then with a news conference and interviews, the President of the United States shows that he's considering trading American lives in the coronavirus pandemic for a healthier economy. We can't have the cure be worse than the problem, quoting the President. Now, the pushback to the President's statement was swift, with New York, New York Governor 
Andrew Cuomo saying that the public must choose between public health and the economy, when we must choose between public health and the economy, Americans will choose the former. However, the others rushed to the president's defense, arguing that economic cost to individuals is just too great. Is the economic cost too great? Or are policies like those of Governor, California Governor Gavin Newsom's stay-at-home order and similar shelter-in-place worth the economic cost? Because they provide us with an opportunity to salvage our economy and save lives. Calculating the cost-benefit of health policies can be complex. Aggressive policies like stay-at-home will save more lives but there's also more cost. Voluntary social distancing costs far less, but it saves fewer lives. Whether readers like it or not, policymakers routinely and appropriately assign value to human life. The United States Environmental Protection Agency, for example, assumes the value of a statistical life to be $9.5 million. So a policy that saves 1,000 lives provides an economic benefit to society of $9.5 billion, with a B, dollar. So what is the economic value of California's stay-at-home policy compared with social distance, uh, distancing. Now, according to covidactnow.org, which says that with social distancing alone, California would suffer 500,000 plus, almost 600,000 deaths. In contrast, if we use a stay-at-home policy, it is estimated that instead of almost 600,000 deaths, there would be 11,000 deaths, a reduction in 585,000 individuals. Now, based on that $9.5 million value of statistical life, the benefit in lives saved would reach $5.6 trillion with a T dollars. Now, some readers might argue for a lower value of statistical life since most deaths are those of the elderly. For the record, um, uh, Mr. Nation says he disagrees with that. And a reduction in the expected death rate, reducing the value of the statistical life by 50%, that is to say, making it only worth $4.8 million, and then the expected death rate by 50%, reducing it to only 1.1%, reduces the benefit of lives saved to only $1.3 trillion. As such, the bottom line of California's economic benefit for stay-at-home will range from $1.3 trillion to $5.6 trillion. That's a wide range, and those are big numbers. Now let's estimate the cost of California's stay-at-home policy to calculate the, the benefit, that is to say, uh, the benefit minus the cost. The president and CEO of the Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis expects a 50% loss of gross domestic product in the second quarter, or that is to say, 
$414 billion for California. For your information, the largest quarterly gross domestic product decrease in the Great Depression was only 5%. Let's also assume that California will pay its population share of the federal government's Coravinus Stimulus Bureau, the CARES Act that was recently passed on March 27th, and our share would be $244 billion. And the state, including private contributions, will pay additional unemployment benefits up to the maximum of $30 billion. Again, that's based on second quarter unemployment rate of 30%, bringing the total cost to Californians to $688 billion over the rest of this year, 2020. What if the costs are even higher? Let's assume further that the state's gross domestic product remains 25% below normal for the third quarter and 10% in the fourth quarter, and that California is responsible for its share of the $2 trillion federal stimulus, and that unemployment is 15% and 6% during the third and fourth quarters, respectively. In this scenario, cost to the state increases to $1.2 trillion. And so the bottom line California's cost for its stay-at-home policy would range from $688 billion to $1.2 trillion. Stay-at-home provides a minimum net benefit to the state of $77 billion under the most conservative assumptions. That is to say, the lowest estimated benefit and the highest estimated cost. In short, Even in this unlikely scenario, the cure, that is to say a stay-at-home policy, results in an economic benefit. Under best estimate assumptions, the net benefit climbs to $4.9 trillion, an amount equal to nearly 18 months of our gross domestic output for the entire state. So national and state leaders who claim to be putting the economy first by using this draconian measure are not. They're putting, uh, they're doing absolutely the reverse. They're putting it last. Saving lives also saves the economy. And I'm going to jump out of this article and say this. We need a wide array of ages and and people and gender uh, because older people have experience and they can bring new old ideas and younger people bring new ideas. But we can't just have a bunch of infants running an economy and expect it to survive. So the sooner our elected officials recognize that the cure is not worth in the problem and follow the lead of California and 25 other states with a stay-at-home policy, the greater the economic benefits, the higher the number of lives will be saved, and the faster our economy will be able to return to normal. So today in closing, here's the answer to today's question. All human life is priceless and precious, and we all need to help each other during this period. That includes praying for our leaders so they can come to the same conclusion. Why would I say that? I say it because, as many of you know, I'm a Christian, but I'm not very religious dogma-wise. However, I'm very spiritual, 
And that comes from the fact that I'm a member of the Anglican Communion. And being a member of the Anglican Communion means that we not only have faith, we not only try to do good work, but the third pillar that I was raised with as a child was that you had to use knowledge to make um, real your faith and implement it properly. So with that, I'm going to leave it there for now. But in closing, I want to say here at Selwyn's Law, we always want to stay on the right side of the law, especially when the law deals with keeping our households and businesses afloat and taking care of our loved ones and employees during this health crisis. So till next time, take care and may the peace of the Lord be with you and yours during this and every other season, but especially now. And I wish you a happy Easter. Take care. Thank you for taking the time to listen to Selwyn's Law. Remember, the law office of Selwyn Whitehead is a designated debt relief agency under the federal law and provides legal assistance to consumers seeking relief under the bankruptcy code. When it comes to your finances and your rights, seek no other than the law office of Selwyn Whitehead. Selwyn is your go-to finance attorney, specializing in estate planning, wealth management, bankruptcy, tax, and real estate law. In other words, Selwyn knows her way around the dollar, and your rights are protected by our laws. Protect your money. Know your rights. Partner with Selwyn Whitehead. For immediate assistance, or if you have questions, call 510-633-1276, 510-633-1276, or go to selwynwhitehead.com. The preceding paid program is sponsored by the Law Office of Selwyn Whitehead, who is solely responsible for its content. 